Hello, Internet. It's Tori. You're listening to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. For updates on when episodes go live, follow us on Twitter and Facebook. To join the discussion, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash CosmereCast, where you'll find an invitation to our Discord server. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Joining me this week are Craig. Hello. Dave. Hello. And Tori. Hello, Internet. And we start every week with good things. So, Craig, what's your good thing this week? Um, So, I'm going to hop on Dave's train here. And my good thing this week is going to be music. Uh, But specifically, I was just thinking about today how good the music for Homestuck was. It really made the the comic. Um, There's some really good tunes there. And and they constantly play in my head, like, just... I feel like they're appropriate every now and then, so uh, they're really, really good. Uh, let me see. So I know Toby Fox's Megalovania is in Homestuck. It wasn't made for it, though. Uh, according to the wiki, it was made for an Earthbound ROM hack, but it was also used in Homestuck, and then later on, of course, it was in um, Undertale. But, yeah, I thought it was in Homestuck before the Halloween hack. Yeah, so okay. even still, it was used to great effect, I think, in Homestuck. Uh, a lot of good songs. My favorite is Doctor. It's the one where, um, crap, what's his name? What's the name? Doc Scratch. Zeus Mel Poop Lord. Is it John? John, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> the one. John first gets to his world, and I just wasn't expecting that whole portion of the, the comic, and it just blew me away, and the music's really good, so yeah. Hey, I need to read Homestuck. Um, I, I think it's also easier to read Homestuck. I think it's easier to read now that it's complete. Uh, we did have like a year or two year gap or something crazy like that where he just didn't update and then he threw out a million updates at once. So um, what was the what was the idea behind Homestuck? Was it that his viewers would suggest the next panel or something? All right, that's Here's how it thing. started. Uh, yeah, and that's that's also how he did his previous. Uh, yeah. His, yeah, his I was previous say, work. Which if was... you want, if you want something like that, read Problem Sleuth. Well, his other ones as well, but I didn't really care for them. Problem Sleuth is good, and that specifically was people would send in some suggestion for what to do, and he would take the first suggestion, and that's what he's going to go with. But after a while, when his readership got too big, he had to go to sort of like a polling type thing until eventually he was just writing the story, and he dropped the pretense of people are submitting what the character should do. Um, uh, and it's still good. It's just different. So if you want that people say something and it just goes off the walls crazy, promptly. If you want a really good in-depth story that has crazy amounts of lore behind it, you read Homestuck. I'd actually recommend starting with Problem Sleuth so you can sort of get a handle on his style. Yeah. Um, it's way I've, I've shorter. Like It's them. still... Sorry, like twenty strips of each of them. The first twenty of of both Homestuck. So you read zero point zero 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 one percent of each of them. <laughs> yeah, problems with is a nice quick read. This is fast. You All could right. totally do it in a day. Um, so that's another good thing. That can be one of my good things. But my good thing is the music that was made for Homestuck, which is made by fans. They went into it, weren't expecting any kind of um money or anything out of it but it was amazing 
And I do think they got some money because they released albums and I bought said albums. It's so good. So good. Neat. What Dave said. Uh, on that topic. Hey, Dave, say more stuff. So my good thing this week, I didn't think of one particular for this week, so I'm just pulling off the list. And I guess I put this on here a while ago. Uh, it's A Charlie Brown Christmas, the album by Vince Guaraldi Trio. It's great, so good. It's jazzy music. Oh, it's so good. I hate the movie, but the the soundtrack is amazing. Yeah. And that's it. That's all you're going to say. Uh, I mean, it's music from the Peanuts Christmas special, but the guy that does the Peanuts music, his name is Vince Guaraldi, and he has a trio, and you can just listen to the music, and, you know, that's I like the Christmas special's okay, but, you know, the, the music is fantastic. It's it's like fun and jazzy, and the Peanuts Christmas special has been so ingrained in the pop culture consciousness that it feels like classic Christmas music, even though it really shouldn't count for it. Yeah, most of the some of them are actual Christmas songs, but some of them are Linus and Lucy, and for some reason Linus and Lucy gets on Christmas playlist, and like the the children's choir stuff that that's on there is like an actual children's choir and they're not yeah. very good like many well, of the children singing are a little bit out of tune and it just it's... it makes it work so much better that way <laughs> like you you can tell that a a studio executive did not force this to be extra polished uh so yeah my good thing this week is uh the video game that I'm currently playing Final Fantasy 10 uh, I'm in, there isn't really a post game because you can't do stuff after you beat the final boss, but there's like an end game segment, like right before you go up against the final boss where you can do a bunch of extra crap. So I'm doing that right now. you airship and you can go wherever you so want and it's save not your game anymore. And stop and play, record podcast. Why are you playing your, the game right now? Well, because I'm just grinding stuff. Like, oh, right. I'm, I'm at the capture Please everything portion. Um, Pokemon section? Yeah, basically. I so, love that game. Leah Dox wanted me to make a tracker for that game. Um, <laughs> okay. I've, okay. I've, decided, <laughs> I've decided this time that I'm going to kill Penance, and I know that I'm really just setting myself up for endless so grinding amazing. and misery, but I want to do it. So there's a part in that game where the story talks about you go across... I don't, I don't remember the zone. It's like some kind of planes or something. And they talk about how the summoners or whatever, like, this is where they typically turn back or they don't make it past this point or something like that. Very vague on it because I played this like 15 years ago. But that is as far as I got in the game. It's not because I, I, I dislike the game. I just have a short attention span when it comes to playing video games. I only play something for like two weeks before I move on. I'm going to pop quiz Mike here and see if he knows which is the one Final Fantasy game that Craig has actually played to completion. Uh, I would guess Final Fantasy VI. Nope. <laughs> Not at <laughs> all. <laughs> Final Fantasy III on NES. Really? This is the oh, one Final so Fantasy good. game that Craig finished. Yeah, I, although I got very close to beating five as well, which is a shame. What five is my through. favorite? Five is actually my favorite. Uh, five is five is the one that I have played the most and never really gotten very far in. I have played all of them to completion. 
I just even need all a, of them. I need a good re-release of Final Fantasy V, like so bad. Just play the not GTA any version or the PSP version. There's the well, I guess the Steam version is the mobile version. So forget the GBA version. That's what yeah, I'm saying. The, the mobile version, like, yeah, the GBA version was actually really good. GBA um, version, very good. Definitely do that one yeah. if you can get your hands on it. It's, it's really it. a shame that the it. PlayStation one just. I don't know what was wrong with with that collection, but the loading times were so unbearable. Oh, dude, I'll trade you. You can borrow Final Fantasy V, and I'll borrow Metroid Two. <laughs> and the only Final Fantasy game that Phil Knight has finished is FF One. I'm so upset. Which, that should have been Wonder Swan version. Which feels like a shame because at least the NES version, like I know it got re released with better, with like updated. Uh, mechanics, but like the the original NES version was bad, just like really poorly designed. Dude, dude, did I tell you guys I had it as on the NES as a kid? I got up to chaos and my battery pack died. Like I saved oh, no. something, so I came back. I'm like, I just gotta beat the boss. I'm done, and then it died, and I had to start. I'm like, I can't do this. I'm like, no, I did it, and I lost my save. I should have beaten that one. It it's that it's counts. You finished FF one. Yeah, well, done did you two. have to press A for another two minutes. I don't know. All I know is I was up to chaos and my battery pack died. That's terrible. That's terrible. Oh, same thing with Fell Knight as well. Take my games all day, but don't steal my memory cards. All right, Tori. I think you're up. Oh no! I wanted to to hop on the Final Fantasy ten. I think I've mentioned this before, but I spent. So many hours playing Blitzball. So many <laughs> hours. No, like, oh, I, I that... had... Go ahead, Tori. So many hours. That's that's all I was going to say about it. Okay. Um, I'm taking the easy way out this, this time around. Uh, I'm only using the three characters whose um, celestial weapons, fully unlocked, are easy to do. That is Yuna, Orin, and Riku. Everyone else's is a giant pain in the butt, and I'm not doing it. Riku I, is Tara strong. I had all of them she, on my save because huh. I played to completion, like I said. So yeah, I'm not. I'm not doing the infinite yeah, blitzball do nonsense. But like I, I will never do the thunder planes ever again. I did that. It's done. I finished. No more. No more. I'm not doing the butterfly thing. I'm not bothering with chocobo racing. Nope. The butterfly thing was okay once you memorized it. Yeah, I mean, and you only have to get it right once. But still, I'm not doing it. Good the, the real downside of that one is that Kamari sucks. Oh. So my good thing, uh, an oldie but goodie, uh, Alien, the movie. Nice. Original. Yeah, I know. I watched it again yesterday. I was just, I was bored, and I'm still sick and spending most of my time on the couch, and uh, it was on the front page on HBO, so I was like, yeah, I'm going to go with that. And I was just struck by how good of a movie it is. It's just so well done, and I, w I was talking with my husband about it afterwards, and it's like, they just don't do movies like that anymore, because they concentrate so much on making it look good. But back then, they didn't have all the fancy special effects, so they had to concentrate on, you know, making a good movie. So, <laughs> anyway, it's it's really good, you guys. To it's go just, along with that, practical effects are so, like, 
if you look at movies from the 90s when they have really good practical practical effects like look at something like jurassic park it ages better than some other like early cgi movies jurassic park blended their practical effects with cgi though they used both yeah i know well that that was actually one of the the earliest ones to really do that right with the the blending cgi and practical yeah and they also had a you know steven spielberg budget sure but it's just, I, I sort of miss some of those things. And I know every now and then a movie comes out like, yeah, we're not doing too much with CGI. We're going to try practical. And it's like, oh, that's sort of cool. That's a novelty now. But it's a good thing when they get it right. It is. Uh, so with Alien, um, Ellen Ripley, the the role was originally cast uh, with the character in mind as being male. So, hmm. and And when they cast Sigourney Weaver, they just changed the name and kept everything else the same? Actually, they didn't have to change uh, the names because nobody had first names until they cast the characters. I read that on IMDb because I was scrolling it while I watched the movie. Nice. Um, they, yeah. uh, they, they had written the script as everybody was unisex, could have been cast as uh, male or female, and then they just went in and uh, changed all the pronouns after casting was complete. That's that's what IMDB says, and I'm going to roll with it. It's just a shame that they stopped after Alien 2, or Aliens, rather, and never made any more movies set in that <laughs> universe. Well, according to IMDB, there's like about, 14 um... movies set in that universe because Blade Runner and Predator take place in the same universe. Wait, so Yeah, because oh. Ridley Scott. Okay. What about uh, Animaniacs? That had a xenophobia <laughs> in it. <laughs> Animaniacs takes place in every universe, clearly. I mean, strictly speaking, a uh, air quote xenomorph shows up in one of the Dresden Files books. I think one shows up in... I was going to say one shows up in The Critic, but I think that was a, a movie, a film trailer in The Critic. So, all those... So, the other... If you might be thinking there was a sequel after Aliens, you're probably thinking of the spoof trailer from The Critic. Yep, that's what it was. John Lovett's cartoon. Uh, so, Dave, I think you finished a book this week. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about that? Uh, I don't know. Let's uh, go and make a whole podcast about it, though. We'll keep it low-key. All right. So, this is Chapter 55. On through to the end of Board Breaker by Brandon Sanderson. Chapter 55. God King ain't gonna die. The priests do what they must because they can. Ripides Trelides. Trelides treasure of truth. Tragically trash. <laughs> Last week, I should have said blew the whistle. It's Nightblood's time to shine. Vivi's clothes catch arrows because they have to. Light Song notices the pond call. Susebrin punches a lifeless. Siri notices the pond call by their skin color. Bluefingers is a jerk. Bluefingers fixes the war. Because okay. it was broken. Please tell me more about all of those. Alright. God yeah. King. <laughs> uh, God King ain't gonna die. So Chelides reveals that they never were planning on killing God King. They were just going to take his excess breaths and send him off to live on an island somewhere in paradise and take the rest of his life off. Uh, so that's that's that. Uh, priests do what they must because they can. Thank you, Jonathan Colton. 
Uh, rip it. I recognize that. I was trying to think what it's from. I'm over here singing it in my head. Ripides Trilides is the name of my Greek tailor. What? <laughs> no. <laughs> that's Euripides Amendides. Did I make that joke the first time I heard Trilides? So that's the only thing. This is the th- first thing I thought of when I heard the name Trilides. I don't remember if I actually. I think you may have. I'm honestly not super sure, but it sounds very familiar. <laughs> but now he's Ripides because he's ripped. So he he fulfilled the prophecy. And yeah, also uh, all the secrets that the priesthood of the God King were holding on to, they're gone. So how how he's supposed to pass on the breath or stop the many war two? Eh, they don't know. They, no one knows. All the people that knew were dead. And well, that's not actually true. I it's it's oh. the the priests that were serving the God King, like in the scene that we saw, they're they're killed. But they're not the only priests in existence. That's true. There were priests back in the palace when they returned. And there's another major character who knows some stuff. But I, I would apparently not all the stuff. I don't know. I have some questions about this. But well, let's get to that more. point. All right. Uh, it's Nightblood's time to shine. So Nightblood and Vivi return to the palace in order to, to save Vasher. Uh, and Vivi... Awakened all of her clothes that she stole from Vasher to protect her, and they catch the arrows by the half. And yeah. Light Song notices the pond call. Their skin color is slightly off, apparently, and since he has the fifth heightening or whatever heightening it is that allows you to have perfect, uh, perfect chromatic tonal distinction. Sure. The, uh, yeah, Actually, I think it's per. I think it's color sense, but sure. Perfect color pitch, sense. but for color. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect hex code. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, like, yeah. It's like that scene on the Matrix where they're watching the screen of the numbers moving, and it's like, no, you can you can see the pictures after a while. Uh, Fel Knight has chipped in with third heightening. Is is what gives that? Uh, okay. But yes, I... like, so all the return count as fifth heightening. So they can do, like, magic eye pictures. Um, there's a word for that. Stereograms. They can do stereograms really well, I bet. Or they're really bad at them. I can't tell. I'd actually lean toward really bad at them. Hmm. And, like, you've, you've seen some of those, like, um, wow, I've lost words. The picture of, like, the chessboard with the shadow across part of it. Yeah, and, and then, then it, it looks like the same exact shade. Oh, and it looks like a chalice if you look at it another way. No. Well, I'm I'm talking about the one where like the lighter part in shadow is the same color as the darker part in light, according to like, oh, the hex right. code. Like it I'll wouldn't be it. they they yeah. wouldn't see anything. Like they'd be very confused by that picture. Optical illusions are fun. That's the word I was looking for. Thank you, Dave. Oh, what? why can't I words? <laughs> That's two words. You were trying to think. Those of are of the words, words I was looking for. <laughs> Thank you, Dave. You're welcome, son. All right. Oh, I don't. Uh, I don't know how to Google. Okay. I've gotten pretty good at stereograms. There was an app on my I had on my phone. Wow, you really don't know how to Google. It's. I got it. Okay. What's yeah. taking so long? That if you're thing. googling, right? You should be done by now. All right. Light song. This is the pond call. All right. So back to Susebrin. Punches a lifeless. Uh, Siri tries to help out, but she gets grabbed. 
And Siri also notices that the pine call that these are pine call servants by also their skin color, even though she doesn't have the third heightening. Uh, I don't know what the deal is because when Light Song notices it, it specifically says that somebody without his color sense wouldn't notice. Does Siri have a color sense? Does this have something to do with royal blood? And I'm going to forget to ask this later, so just answer the question now. You know, I'm glad you noticed that, because I didn't notice that on my first read, and it wasn't until this reread where I read those words, the very same words, like Light Song points out, he can sense it, and then Siri just happens to notice it. Like, a normal person can't notice that. Maybe Light Song just thinks that a normal person couldn't notice that, or maybe it has something to do with uh, jumping ahead to the epilogue that... uh, Siri has returned blood in her. Yeah, I think we're going to go into it with that. Maybe we'll discuss it more after we're done. But okay, um, I figured I would forget to. If you remember way back when Siri was first analyzed, she was she was noted as having a very strong breath, which I think was expected of the royals to have. Uh, Okay, so right, the returned have. A, a singular, stronger yes. breath than, than normal people. So perhaps they're descendants. However, they can have descendants. I don't know. We're going to get to that and wrap up. Uh, so remind me if I forget. But anyway, Siri is good at noticing the skin color, be it because it's not that hard to recognize or because of her returned blood. She somehow has a better color sense than the average person. And Blue Fingers is a jerk. Uh, he's like, Siri's like, why are you crying? You won. He's like, I have to tell all of my friends to poison themselves. What a jerk. I mean, so he's going to have the servants, the servants that, uh, cra- that you know, got the life codes and changed the, or the lifeless codes, change them over. He's going to have them march onto Halendron, or blah, Idris. So he's going to have them march on the Idris and then commit suicide so that nobody will have the codes. Nobody will be able to ascertain the codes. And that's that. Although, they were able to change the codes really fast. 40,000 is a lot. I mean, Light Song a lot of them. They had more than one person. Like, Light Song did 20,000, right? And he did it, he did it in an evening. Yeah. I mean, you have to walk up to each one, give them your passphrase. It's going to take like, what, five minutes each one, maybe? I'm, I didn't do all the math, but if Light Song can do it in an evening, I'm sure a squad of 20 to 30 servants, so cut yeah. that in half because we're doing twice as many. Sure. Probably do it in a matter of hours. If a uh, train leaves the station going east <laughs> at 37 miles an hour. Oh. Anyway. So Bluefingers fixes the war. He's going to march. He's going to hit Halandren and Idris against each other in hatred. He's going to kill Siri so that uh, Idris thinks that Halandrin initiated the war by killing Siri and yada yada, but he's going to get the some mercenaries, some Idrian mercenaries from the city to to see that she's dead and he's going to tell let the Idrian people think that the mercenaries were the ones that killed the Pantheon and so forth. And that's the end of chapter 55. So on the so color... The, the the perfect hex code uh, power. Yeah. It occurs to me that the Holandrin wouldn't have have gone so far on the whole what color is the dress thing like we did. 
All they'd have to do is find somebody of at least a third heightening and be like, what color is this? Oh, it's it's blue and black. Okay, but so look at the in the good things I posted the optical illusion. And the, pro, the, the way this optical illusion works is because the cylinder seems to be casting a shade on B, and we note the pattern because our brain sees patterns of the light squares and dark squares. So therefore, we think, okay, B is a light square, and our brain is just automatically equating it to be the light square. So just because we can be told and shown that A and B are actually the same shade, our brain is doing something else to fill it in. So depending on how they see the perfect color, they might look at it and they they might still be fooled. And that's the same problem with the per- with the the dress. It's the same thing uh, because of the the shading of the light at the time. Our brain is automatically filling it in and saying, "Oh, it's just a bright light, so therefore the dress is this color." Um, okay, but in the picture you posted, you can literally cover up everything except A and B. And they are different colors. Okay, hold on. I got something for you. Yeah, I'm opening it up in paint right now, and I'm gonna move them next to each other. Oh, there, they're the same color. Go. It's still weird, but they are the same shade. Now it looks like a 3D chessboard. Yeah, but only <laughs> on, but with only one square. So the so the point plane. is that uh that those with higher heightenings they might still be full depending on what their brain does with the information uh see i would i would say that like this power overwrites that bit of your brain being dumb maybe cuz what what is the point of having a superpower if it can't overcome how dumb your brain is and there's also audio illusions that probably perfect pitch might fall for or as you say might not fall for audio illusions i'd like to see one of those okay you well, can't luck. why not anyway chapter 56 ready did yes. we finish chapter 55 wait yeah, did, did I, we I finish bad mouthing blue fingers i'm not sure yet wait dave you said you had a question that you weren't gonna save for the end no no he asked it yeah was that was how does how is siri able to distinguish the pond call by their skin color gotcha and Chet answered it as much as I think you guys know how. All right. Well, the main for- issue we have, though, is that none of the characters, the ones who have any sort of life sense uh, to a greater degree, who can actually see or recognition, that's the one, which is the first heightening, they've never commented on what the royals look like. As if they, just like we can look at the return and we know they appear to be a fifth heightening, even though they only have one divine breath. I believe... It's similar for the Royals. They have one very strong breath. Not necessarily the fifth heightening, of course, uh, but at least stronger than a single breath normally is. Mm. Uh, but we don't know how much it is because it's never been commented that, oh, this person looks like they're the first heightening. We know Vivenna people have commented on because she had multiple breaths. So it's like, oh, she's of the third heightening because that's how many breaths she happened to get. And I guess she probably doesn't have her original breath still. That is a good question i would guess not uh it's pretty unlikely since she did something with them that we'll get to in chapter 56 well there's there's like a core flaw in your supposition which is that there is such a concept as original breath once you have more than one so it might depend on the person not necessarily which people's breath they have or they're all your breath because you have them. Mmm, good point. No, 
Anyway, no. chapter fifty. But it's like if if we compare breath to a drop of water, everyone is born with a drop of breath, and then when you take someone else's breath, you don't have two drops of breath; you just have more breath. So but, but it's like with cell phones. When you get another cell phone, you just have more cell phone. <laughs> you no, know, no, no. It's exactly like a cell phone. Someone gives you their cell phone. You put your SIM card in it, and all of a sudden, it has your information. It's now your cell phone. But theoretically, with, with the water, I'm not. I don't think it's a good analogy because theoretically, with the water, you could hypothetically separate the molecules of water and have your molecules, your original molecules, and separate them from them. But I'm not going to worry about that. So I will say that what Mike said makes sense to us that have more Cosmere knowledge. And unfortunately, we can't go too much into it uh, at this point, but eventually we'll have to really get into it. Yeah. All right, chapter 56. Vivena gets a surprise round and wins initiative, but Denth has uncanny dodge and keeps his dex bonus. <laughs> wah, wah. Uh. Vivi breathes on Vasher. Denth is winning. I forgot this happened with TF Cloak. Uh, you don't mess with the princess. <laughs> he just, I'm pretty sure I stole that from the Aladdin cartoon. I don't, I'm not positive. Uh, he just fell out of the third story window, plummeting to certain doom. Of course he'll live. Possibly the best line in the book. <laughs> oh, that has got some stiff competition, my friend. I know, but even in the last couple chapters, there's some really good one-liners. That's a good one. Uh, blood is red. Awakened Construct. Oh, I meant to look that up. Uh, Bloons Tower Defense. And Vajra gets back to Dent, but he's Oom. Alright. Uh, she sneaks up on the guys, and she gets ropes, and she throws them. And I, I say that she got the surprise round and wins initiative, because you can't make you can't make two attacks in a surprise round, because you only get a partial action, and it would take a full round action to make two attacks. Clearly, uh, they're so following she, So she must have also won initiative, but um, Denth is still able to slash the rope out of the air. However, she does hit Tonk Fa square in the body, and he's getting all tied up and choked to death. Uh, so Vivi uses the distraction. Uh, Denth goes to help out Tonk Fa, and Vivi gets, uh, gives her breaths over to Vasher. And they're fighting, and Dent is winning, and Tonkfa is uh, Tonkfa is holding the Vena back. But uh, earlier on, something I forgot happened to Tonkfa's cloak, and she had tried to make an awakening out of it and failed. But Tonkfa's cloak still had some of the Vena's breath in it, so she's able to draw it out. And she, <laughs> this scene's pretty funny. Um, she. Awakens Tonkfa's cloak to go attack Dent while he's still wearing it. So it drags <laughs> Tonkfa along with, with it and like rams him into the melee between Dent and Vasha. And Vasha gets thrown out of window. That is super clever though. <laughs> For the moment, I don't think she, that idea works I don't, I don't think she meant it to happen to to carry Tonkfa. I think she just was trying to get Well the the, the cloak's cl- not gonna fly. It has oh, to be attached, and it's attached to him, so uh, this is going to drag him talking about? Him. Awakened objects fly all the time. Also, Vivi is still fairly new at this whole thing, so she yeah. might have thought it was going to fly. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe she thought it would, like, unbutton itself. 
carefully roll off of Tong Fa's <laughs> sleeves, crawl along the ground. <laughs> well, the fact that it worked means whatever she was picturing did work. Because you have to have that clear picture for the uh, awakening to work. Anyway, that happened. And Tong Fa and is like, is he going to live? Why do we need to call the guards on him? Of course he'll live. All he did was fall out of a third-story window plot and plummeted a ninja turtle doom. And so, uh, Dent... I love the lampshade. And Vasher... I, I just enjoy genre-aware villains. They're... Yeah, yeah. Like, they show up in some things, and it it's always a joy. So... Uh, Vasher is falling out the third story window, plummeting the certain doom, and cleverly uses the color from his blood to awaken some rope or something uh, to help slow his descent. And then he's fighting some guards, and he knocks one out, and he awakens the guard's clothing, which actually, I think, does remove itself from the guard, so he just has, like, human-shaped pile of clothes fighting alongside him, and he makes two of these. And it reminded me of a Dungeons and Dragons 3.5 edition monster from Monster Manual 2. And I think it was called a Ragamuffin. Ragamuffin. Uh, it might have been Tattered Mail or it, one of those might have been like, I think Ragamuffin might have been a subset of Tattered Mail, but it was a, it was a construct that, uh, I meant to look this up, but I took a nap instead. But anyway, he basically makes two Ragamuffins out of the guard's clothing to fight alongside him. But they're easily sliced down. And then they uh, they send the lifeless soldiers after him. And the guards are like, oh, the lifeless got this. Let's get out of here. I, I don't want to be here. So then good old Nightblood whispers in his ear. He's like, Psst, I'm over here. Let's go slay some evil. So he draws Nightblood out of some dude's chest. And he starts uh, he starts popping some, some lifeless. Because... As soon as they get a little scratch, they pop like balloons. And it, it was basically Bloons Tower Defense for a while. And as he was holding Nightblood, Nightblood was consuming all of Foster's breaths rapidly. So he couldn't use them forever. Oh, also, like, Nightblood not only pops lifeless, but also, like, walls and ceilings and floors. So he just cuts the holes in the ceilings and climbs back up to the third floor where Dent is. And then he has to throw throw nightshade nightblood to the side because he doesn't have any more breaths. And if he runs out of breaths, then nightblood is going to kill him. And that's the end of chapter 56. That's, you don't get to be the best character in the book by not yelling at your teammates for going oom out of mana for those <laughs> not, didn't, who don't know what oom means. You don't play. Should have brought him in, Ken. <laughs> I could just picture Nightblood just screaming that. Hey, you don't need a Moonkin. Any druid has energy. <laughs> but oh. I love Moonkins. Need love a, them. Uh, need a mana flow totem. Uh, so there's a lot going on with Nightblood. Wild classic now. Uh, there's a lot going on with Nightblood that we who are caught up still don't actually understand. Yeah, you said that this is the only published Warbreaker, or is it the only published Warbreaker novel? Are, are there There's shorty? no other stories. Okay, because there, there's a lot of stuff open. Like, the whole ending of the book is pretty open. Like, you don't even know what's going to happen. And, and, he, and in the annotations, he makes a reference to the planned sequel that he has, which will be titled Nightblood, 
Yeah. We're not sure if that's. I mean, he wrote that what like ten years ago. It's he might have different plans now. Almost exactly ten years ago. Yeah, because the uh, the Leatherbound edition just came out. He's he's already had other plans where certain characters or certain storylines were going to be part of one story or in one world, and then he decided to co-opt it and use it elsewhere. So we don't know if whatever he planned for Nightblood just gets used elsewhere. Uh, but the point I was making is that, like, even with our extra knowledge of how, like, of how the magic systems work and the underlying mechanics, there's still a lot about Nightblood that that is just a mystery. Okay, moving on. All right, chapter fifty-seven is montagerific. We have a a wide variety of different scenes in chapter fifty-seven, so I'm just gonna go one scene at a time and explain the bullet point as I read them. All right, why does Siri know everything? And I wrote this specifically because Divi has to be told by Vasher, like you need to go back to Idris and tell your people to retreat into the mountains. And Siri is just like, oh, I hope our people retreat into the mountains. But she already knows what should be done. Uh, that's the only bullet point I got out of that scene. Next scene, Light Song has a new cellmate. Can Light Song use his breath to heal God King? So, yeah. Wait, did, did you predict that before it happened? Made, like five pages before it happened, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that happens. And the next scene, did Vasha really best our steel? So we have Vasher back fighting with Denth, and he doesn't. And Denth is like, "You're not that good of a swordsman. Your our steel was better than me, and I'm kicking your butt. How did you kill our steel? You must have night blooded him or something." Next scene, altar. That's all I wrote. Something about killing Siri on an altar to make it look like a ritualistic sacrifice on the part of the Hallandry. Yeah, Bluefinger's gonna go all snidely whiplash. He was gonna go uh, that king from Elantris. Except yes, he was wearing clothes exactly. in this scene. <laughs> I think he was wearing God, I hope he was wearing clothes in this scene. Next scene. Light Song is a god. Uh, I really like this recollection of Light Song's first death when he was on the ship. Red Panther was the name of the ship, by the way. Real cute. And he recalls saving his niece who fell overboard during a storm on a leisurely boating trip. Wait, wait, did you say, brother. did you see his niece's name? Um, Tatara. I thought you would like no, that. Oh, yeah, Tatara. It reminded me of Tataru, Taru, yeah. Final Fantasy fourteen. I didn't write it down, but I did think, I was like, oh, this is one letter off of my my friend Cinnamon from Final Fantasy fourteen. Almost but, Tataru, yeah. But not this, quite. This scene right here is probably my favorite in the whole book. Every yeah, I time like that I reread, I got I got the tingles reading that scene. Oh yeah, every time I reread this, like I get some tears in my eye, and it's just like, oh, this scene right here every time. Mm-hmm. And he in this scene, you know, after waking up from that recollection, he realizes that Susebrin doesn't have a tongue, and he uses his breath to heal. Susebrin's tongue, so that Susebrin can use his breath. Next scene. What is Vasher talking about? I don't know why I wrote that. He was said something about. Oh, he was like, "Oh, I can take it from you. I can end it to to Denth. Something. I don't know. He's he, he can he can weird. remove his memories, which we saw him do to that little girl. Oh, is that what it was? Okay. Yeah. It, they were pretty vague about it about something that. Like he did for a minor character, several. I guess you're not supposed to take 
six months to read between that point and this. <laughs> Maybe you True. remember it. True. Uh, okay, so that's what he's talking about. And then surprise breath attack. He has about fifty breaths, and he transfers them over to uh, over to Denth, so that he gets kind of like this shock of elation as he gets more breaths, and he uses and Vasha uses that uh, moment to make an attack of opportunity. And he rolls a natural 20, and he slits Denth in the throat. And he's like, you wanted to know how I defeated R-Steel? Well, now you do. And Denth's hair turns blue. The end of Denth. The next and final scene in Chapter 57. So, yeah, Denth's hair does, like, the color-changing thing as he's processing all this information and not able to his royal locks in check. Final scene of chapter 57. Bluefingers is about to kill Siri when suddenly someone shows up to save the day. That's right. It's Fafin, best princess, finally here in her <laughs> epic comeback. Wait, what book did you read? I, I read my own book. This, this is how the scene played out in my head. But no, Fafin never got her epic comeback. Well, she gets to be a monk and kill lifeless, maybe. Maybe that's one of the things that is waiting for the, the sequel, Nightblood. So, Vasher oh, totally cheats to win his duels, and... That's yeah, it. and he's he mentions how he basically had to give up a fortune. No one would ever expect them, people to use transferring breaths as an attack, because you're just throwing the breaths away, right? Because if you yep. give the breath to someone and you kill them, then those breaths go away. They go back to the cosmos or whatever. And then, blah, blah. oh yeah, so Susebrin actually shows up, and he has a deep, booming voice, apparently. Why wouldn't he? He's a pretty big guy. I don't think it said it's booming, it's just, it's, it's deep. Well, it says that it's deeper. She said, she expected it to be deeper, because she probably, like, sees him as, as this gentle man. Yeah. Gentleman. Gentle person. But he, he kicks all man. sorts of butt. Yeah, he just, like... As he's walking through the palace, he drains color out of stuff and then spits them back out as he walks away from them. Any questions about Chapter 57? A lot of a lot of different scenes happening, but uh, all little short snippets. Montage-y. Perfect. Uh, I don't think so. I mean, I think you told us your thoughts. Okay. Chapter 58, then. Uh, you know what the worst part of being a mercenary is? Tonkfa and Jules abandon you to die to Vasher. Oh, and so yeah, this is uh, the recap scene between Vasher and Vivi. They're catching up, and he's like, "Oh yeah, Tang Fan Jules just took their money and ran out." It's they're mercenaries; should be expected of them. And he explains how holding night blood drains all of the uh, all of the breaths out of him. And I was wondering what happened when Vivenna held night blood. I don't remember if she unsheathed she never them or not. She never drew him. Okay. I couldn't remember if she actually drew him or not. So if that makes sense. No, she, uh, she's been way too sick to even, like, touch the scab. Like, she doesn't want to have direct skin contact with the sword or the scabbard. So she's always, like, wrapped it up and stuff. But she does hold him in the sheath and he, so that he can yeah, talk he to won't her and try to get Okay. Alright. Uh, here's another very good candidate for best line in the book. Light Song told me that I couldn't depend on him in the end. I guess he lied about that. How very like him. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good one. Uh, yeah, this is Siri uh, in, in realizing that Light Song gave up his breath and and his life in order to heal Susebrin and save him. And he, he totally said that in the book. Like, you don't depend on me. 
when it gets down to it, you can't, you know, trust me. And yet he did one of the most important things in the book, at least to get the characters to, to win. Well, yeah. Yeah. Good job, buddy. You did it. All right. Uh, sounds like some kind of prescription drug. Uh, Talaxin is another name for Boyo. Vasher. Whatever his name is. Yeah, Talaxin is another name that he was known by. That's what Nightblood calls him. He's like, oh, he's, he used to be called Talaxin, but that sounds like some kind of prescription drug. Uh, and he turns out to be one of the five scholars of lore. <laughs> yesterday, yesterday, lol. That's <laughs> so. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> this is just probably not a not a great line so much, but one of my favorite instances. And of course, Nightblood is involved here. So uh, Vasher finds out that the forty thousand lifeless have begun marching on to uh, Idris, and they have a head start. So you know, a human army would never be able to catch up to them. And Nightblood's like. What about that other army you left here yesterday? <laughs> and Vasher's like, Nightblood, that was 300 years ago. <laughs> so, yeah, Nightblood has no concept of time. Um, but, yeah, he is referring to, of course, Kalad's Phantoms, the other lifeless army. So let's find out more about that as we finish up with Chapter 58. Uh, and I wrote this note here. When are Nightblood and Susebrin going to team up? And that sadly never happened. I just wanted, like, Susebrin to draw a Nightblood because he's got, like, infinity breaths, right? He could probably go and take out most of the 40,000 lifeless all by himself if they gave him I Nightblood. I think That's... he'd be good for maybe a couple hours. Yeah, but, dude, he could uh, he could probably, like, cleave and take out, like, six in one swing. Cause they just like, pop. I'll be honest. Look at the rate that Nightblood devours breaths. Like, if you look at how many were given to Vasher and... How it's just minutes. It's just minutes that he has nightblood drawn. Yeah, and it also increases the rate at which it consumes the breath the longer you hold him. So just sheathe him between swing. Problem. <laughs> Clearly. Um, it kind of reminds me of if you ever played League of Legends uh, back in the day before they reworked Swain, the guy that turns into the giant bird. It would cost a little bit of mana to be a bird for a little bit of time, but if you were a bird for a really long amount of time, it would take more and more mana the longer state bird i don't know if anybody listening to this will have any idea what i'm talking about but <laughs> there you have it uh but yeah they never team up um Kalad's phantom uh actually turn out to be the dedenner statues that are situated throughout the city of halandrin uh they are stones with bones they are actually lifeless soldiers and uh Vasher, who turns out to be a returned, one of the five scholars, 300 years old and what? Uh, 300 years, I guess, since he was returned, actually. He, he says he doesn't remember his past, his former life before he became a return, but he and Denth and Arsteel and Yesteel and Shashara are the five scholars. They're all returned. So he's able to change forms. So like, uh, and even the God King actually bows to him. Uh, yeah, so he gives him the command phrase of the Dedenner, and the God King raises him up to go and catch up with the 40,000 lifeless to try and stop the war. And then we move on to the epilogue. Vivenna runs away from home. Vasher and 
is Peacegiver and Collage. I'm paying attention to you, Nightblood. It turns <laughs> out the true Warbreaker is the friend we met along the way. That's true. The end. Oh. So, dot, uh, dot, dot, question mark. <laughs> so, so you yeah, jumped right. ahead, but I did want to say that chapter 58, he, he mentions it in the annotations, but this might be the first chapter where Vivenna and Siri interact. Yeah, I think oh, it wow. is. Uh, Siri sees Vivenna at a distance, or rather the other way around. Vivenna sees Siri at a distance in one of the other things, but. And the fact that they interact here and Siri knows that Vivenna is alive, I feel like kind of throws a wrench in Vivenna's plan to just run off and stop being a princess. Yeah, I mean, I she sees how strong, so like, she she's like a queen now, and she sees that Siri has things under control. I think it just reinforces that she can go off and find her own path. Yeah, and one of the, I guess maybe we can talk about it more in wrap-up, but one of the sad things about Vivenna is that her whole life since birth, was mapped out for her and she never had the chance to explore who she really was until until this point yeah all right not to rush things but dave you've put a pretty strict time limit on us wait wait, uh, wait. i have craig, one question yes for craig has one question and then that's it we're gonna wrap up and we'll cover everything else next week craig so go there's, ahead there's been some hints but i just want to ask do you know who our steel is you have met him well you have read about him i would if you're telling me I've met him, then I would guess that it's Var. But yeah. no, because he killed Var in a duel, it said. So maybe not. He killed Arsteel in a duel. He killed Var in a prison cell. Oh, you, you're saying yes, Steel. So I have to guess who yes, Steel is. No, Arsteel. No, Didn't he kill Arsteel in a duel? Yes. Yes. But I'm at. <laughs> but you've also met him. Yeah, he's been on screen a bit. Oh. Is it go on? Wait, I have to think about this now. Because who is? Because it sounded like he like he killed him a while back. Yep. Oh, is it? It's not King Dedalin, is it? No. no. Okay, uh, that didn't make it's, sense. He would. Are you are you giving up? Can we can we give you this? No, man. Now I okay. need to think. Well, right. how about this? Come back think next week. It. We'll talk about it next week. All right. So. All right. All right, that is I'll going to my notes and see so, what characters. It's not Night Steel, Nightblood, is it? No. Okay. All right. Well, we'll that, talk about it next week. But yeah. I just wanted to ask: Did you enjoy these this conclusion to the book? I know we don't get to see what happens with the war, but yeah, <laughs> the epilogue is like it's Vivenna. Well, and, keep in mind the main of this book were the characters. It's the character growth and arcs that they go through, the reversals that they experience. And I know we're going to talk about it next week. So. Planned plan to be two books, yeah. But it's just so it's kind of funny that the in the epilogue of the book, the Ven is like, "So will Kalad's Phantoms be able to stop the war?" And Vasher's like, "I don't know, probably." <laughs> like that's the ending the of, of the main conflict in the book. <laughs> but yeah, what did you think? Are you satisfied or what? There wasn't, not really, like, there wasn't a conclusion. Like, it's it's left up to the sequel that's apparently ten years in the making. Well, what about all the character growth our characters went through? Are you satisfied yeah, with that? good character growth. Yeah, I do like that. I think I especially like, um, I like the Venet and Siri, and they also kind of, like, swap spaces. So, like, especially, and if it wasn't apparent, one of the very last parts of the book uh, in the epilogue, when uh, Vasher's, like, my returned name was Warbreaker, the Peaceful. And Vivetta's like, they should have called you Warbreakout, the Ugly. 
<laughs> wart breakout. And <laughs> so I was like, yep, she's she's Siri now. <laughs> Pretty much. If you look at like how uh, she but, like, won. And then, but then it makes you think like, that's probably who she always was on the inside, but she was suppressed since her childhood, right? Compare like chapter two Siri with chapter 58, Vivina, and there you go. How about yeah. if we don't do that this week and we do it next week okay. and we end the episode now? Well, we can just kick Dave off. How about if we just end the episode now? I have one Mike thing to talk about. Oh, oh my. Mm, ah, mm. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye, Dave. This concludes the spoiler free section of our podcast. If you are, as I am, reading along for the first time, we recommend that you stop listening now, as the following will contain spoilers for not only this book, but for other Cosmere books as well. There may also be general spoilers from any other source material. Spoilers begin now. It's just quick. I, I do want to, it's in reference to what you brought up. I just want to briefly talk about it. Uh, let me put up the spoilery thing. Okay. Um, you, we, we were talking about, uh, I really like the point you made about the breath perhaps becoming the identity of the person who's receiving it. Because I didn't think about it like that. Dave, the way he was talking about breath is like, okay, it's some finite amount. It's like water, I think was the analogy that Tori gave. And it's just like you receive it and it's just yours. But what if instead when you receive the breath, it becomes keyed to you through identity and therefore based on who you are determines the strength of the breath. But that would also mean that return who received breath, like Susabron, for example, his breath would be much stronger than the amount that he's given because each individual breath would be divine. So it might not quite work, but I mean, it, it could it just sort be that at least one of them, at it's, least the base one, the first breath is the divine breath for return, or in the case of the royals, it's that royal breath. I mean, I I would say there's a special case for the the divine breath of the return because they are explicitly splinters of endowment and okay. they're okay. special. They they work a little bit differently than the normal rules. It did seem like they there were references to the venom when she was carrying all that breath that it seemed stronger than it probably is. But because she's not aware of it, um, we we don't know if her breath when she was holding that many breaths from um the old spy master, if it's actually stronger because she's holding it versus anyone else who pulled that amount of breath. And for okay. for more on like the, the royal breath, I think we're gonna need the second book and we're gonna need to learn more about how Babby is formed. Yeah, how is Babby formed? And uh in the annotations I just want to mention some spoilers. Maybe we'll, we could talk to Dave about it next week, but there are priests whatever island that they send Susabron and Siri off to to retire. There are priests there to, you know, care for them. And they know the secrets for at least transferring the breath. If yeah. not the how bad the... Yeah, this this knowledge is. isn't straight up gone. It's it's more limited at the palace now. But I, I don't even think it's gone from the palace. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it's a critical issue. Alright, going to actually end the episode now. Bye, everybody. Good night, everybody. Bye. This has been the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at, at CosmereCast or like us on Facebook. Our theme music is Traveling Made Up Continents by Gillicuddy, used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.